G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day and welcome to the Spirit of Sport on Sydney's newest home of sport, 1170 SEM. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. So glad you're able to join us. Well, tonight, my special guest has represented her country at three Olympic Games and is the first Australian woman to compete in both a Summer and a Winter Olympics. Unbelievable. Summer and Winter Olympics. A two-time world champion and a four-time Commonwealth champion in the 400 metres hurdles, she's recognised as one of the greatest Australian athletes of all time. Jana Pittman, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Thank you for having me. Was that a baby in the background I heard or was that? <laughs> <laughs> this is my dog barking up. So oh, sorry. Just... <laughs> yeah, he just, he just you... walked, I'm like, I'm trying to make it all quiet. And it was uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, look, I really appreciate because I know you've also got a, 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 a young one. How many months now? Uh, three months today, actually. Three so, months. Yeah. Oh, my god. He's a little guy. He'll come in at, definitely at some point in the next half an hour. <laughs> What's his name? His name's Charlie, this one. Uh, Charlie, okay. Well, I got yeah, he's my fourth. Is your fourth? Oh my gosh! That's just um, <laughs> Beck and I have had one Presley. He's twenty two months, and it's just Aww. we are at the end of it. We're just like that's it. It's never going to happen again. But you 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 said to me that possibly we we might want to go again. Is that right? There's a change. Absolutely. I reckon for me, when the little one gets to about three years of age, you're just like, oh, I miss the baby stage and the cuddles, and you're just like, okay, so let's go again. And Is you it? forget. You, I think it's a remarkable thing that humans forget some of the challenges of, of parenting. <laughs> But it, it, he doesn't cuddle. He doesn't cuddle me. Um, really? Yeah, he doesn't cuddle. I'll try and get kisses. I'll try and get cuddles. He's like, nah, nah. Ah, <laughs> see that, and that's what babies do. That's why people want another one because the, the toddlers grow up and they're like, ah, I don't need you anymore, Dad. Yeah, but I've never had the, I've never really had the the cuddles. Actually, I've got to say, I'm still wait. I'm still waiting. I hope that hasn't still passed waiting. me by. <laughs> so you just need another one because yes, yeah. I've definitely got one that's not a cuddler and three that are cuddlers. Oh, so you've okay, to, yeah, okay. That's go, good to go know. around to. <laughs> well, look. Before we get into it, uh, there's some getting to know you type questions. So whatever comes to mind, just fire away. You ready? Sure. First concert. Oh my goodness, um, Carly Minogue. Yes. You're the Kylie fan. I saw I love her. Kylie. I love Kylie Minogue. Actually, I, I, I'm a. I was obsessed with Kylie Minogue when I was younger, and we were t- we toured overseas. And I promise not to speak about myself. This is about Kylie, but I, we toured overseas with the English side, and you know, and and the boys used to hammer me about because I loved Kylie Minogue. And one day, the cameraman who was with us all tour from England came up to me and goes, "Hey, man, I did, just want to let you know, Kylie Minogue's my sister." And, um, oh, wow. Yeah, he goes, yeah. Do you, he goes, do you want to meet her? Do you want to? I, go, yeah. oh, I couldn't meet her, man. I've just been. He goes, so you got her assigned poster saying, Jason. So you never met her. You lost that opportunity because you're too nervous. I oh, you're too funny. I was too nervous. I was too, but yeah, I'm with you. We're, we've got a kindred spirit here. What about your first job? Uh, I worked at Hungry Jack. Most embarrassing moment? Um, went to school with my with a jumper over my shirt because I had a broken arm and couldn't zip my shirt up. So my, my tunic fell off at school. <laughs> Favorite movie in front of everyone. <laughs> oh, that's Favorite you... movie. Oh goodness, I don't know. Pass. A... I have to come back. Are you rom com? Are you action? Are you? Uh, yeah, rom com definitely. Okay, Notting Hill. Can yeah. I throw Notting Hill out there or no? Yeah, Notting Hill's pretty good. I like Notting Hill. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, pet hate. 
pet hate um, lateness, like being late for work or being late for picking the kids up or something like that. Well, I did call you and you hung up on me, so I'm not just. A, but, but you've got a you've got a toddler, so I'm not. Gonna, Sorry, I'm not going to throw that. No worries. Something you wish you were better at? Singing. I'm awful. Break break the showers when I sing in the in the shower. <laughs> the thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Oh goodness. Um, I don't know. Oh, leave mess in the kitchen. I was always always messy in the kitchen after I clean up. Are you are you a clean? Cleaning folk now, or you- now I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> just not as a kid. <laughs> I was too busy. <laughs> What's the biggest thing you've been nervous about? Oh, the Olympic Games for sure. The lesson that's taken you the longest to learn. Uh, but you can't be liked by everyone. Yes, that's true. That's hard, though, isn't it? It's hard. It's a hard. Yeah. That's a will- hard lesson. It is. And as a kid, I was always a bit quirky and unusual, and I always wanted to have lots of friends. And uh, and you know. Not everyone can be like that to be popular, and I've and then you know throughout my sports career I had the same thing. I always wanted to be liked, and it's it's not possible, not not possible by everyone. Was there was there a time sort of in your in your life where you, you kind of thought how how old were we? Thought you know what, I'm going to start. I've got to make some different choices here about, and just and just forget that I'm not going to be liked. I'm not. Going to, I mean, if you look at anyone who's achieved anything of considerable note, like yourself uh, in history, like they've always the path more often than not, has been a solo path. There's been times Absolutely. of loneliness. Very been, loneliness, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's the, really it's the path of a, a pioneer, whether you're doing something new in your family or breaking the mould. That's is a, right. Absolutely. The, yeah. And to be successful, it requires a lot of time, which means you don't have the time for socialising. And, and you know, especially as a, as a mum, and I was a solo mum for quite a while as well before I met my husband. So mm. you, you're fine. I was studying to be a doctor and, you know, parenting, and I didn't have time to socialise, so... I think if you're trying to achieve something really extraordinary, you definitely do it solo regularly. Because in '99, uh, you were world youth champ in the 400 meters uh, hurdles. I mean, did that affect any of your friendships, your your relationships? Did you ever find jealousy? Did with with or did you have friends that were supportive or? A bit of a mixture. I had a fantastic social group at school by then um, who really you know loved and supported me. But of course, it does happen. I think you know it's human nature to really, really want something that other people have. And I, you know, I even find it in myself. But, you know, I look at the young bobsled team that are now about to go to the Olympics next year, and I think, oh god, I would love to have been in her shoes and mm. and be competing again. So I think it's natural that we look to others, you know, for both things. But you know, out of sadness, thinking you want to be them, and, and other times use it as motivation to to push you onto your next goal. So um, I think that's probably what happened with me as a young person too, that people look and think, oh, well, you know, why can't I be an athlete or, you know, well, why can't I be a doctor? And it's, it's just, we just have to accept that we are very, very lucky to live in this beautiful country with opportunities that if you work really, really hard, most of those things can happen. Now, I've got to say, my, my, the worst experience for me playing rugby league was the off-season and it was when we'd get to Sylvania Athletics Track and yeah. <laughs> there would be no footballs. <laughs> all there'd be is a track and heat and no water. <laughs> and I just remember, and you do that. And make you run around. <laughs> and you do that. Now, and running's hard enough. You you go the next level and you go hurdles, which, yep. is, which is doing all that jumping when you're in extreme pain. Why yep. the hurdles? Why? Because uh, it's what I was good, on, good at, but, you, but you're right. I have that with swimming. I can't imagine having to swim following a black line for hours and hours and hours so but people love it so i guess i just love to run so you know um particularly the 400 meters which is one of the hardest events in the track um probably because it was so hard i like the challenge of trying to achieve something that uh, was really really difficult and i think 
that's kind of been my whole life. I've always tried to find the hardest thing possible. Don't know why. I'm still trying to work that out in myself and then, and then try and achieve it. So, um, yep, and then chuck the hurdles in just simply because uh, at the time when I first started running, that was still an event that was quite underdone in the world and the world record was still achievable. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't end up winning it due to or breaking it due, due to injuries and things, but at that stage it was a decision. We literally sat down there and went, do we do the 400 or 100 hurdles? We'll do the hurdles because um, there's more opportunity to be the best in that event. You mentioned swimming, uh, and uh, we used to train at the same facility that Susie Maroney used to train, yeah. and and she would be there like from from four o'clock to like yeah. first, first, session, forth, first session. And, but, and I, I said to her one day, I said, "Are you are you going to go insane?" Would you? And she goes, "You know what? I memorize uh, episodes of Seinfeld." And, oh, no and way, I just really? Go through it. Yes, I go through it in my head, and I just go through it because <laughs> she was swimming English channels and all that. And I, exactly, what, yeah, what, thousands of cases. Was there something for you that that helped you, you know, keep sort of sane during it all? What was your outlet, and what was you know? It's actually the opposite. Running for me is the one time my brain shuts up and goes away. Ah. Um, I'm a complete overthinker in life, um, but for some reason, when I'm running, it's the one time everything's quiet, everything's at peace in my mind. Wow, that's that's I've never heard that. That's great. I didn't I didn't realize yeah. that that could be your in a sense your outlet. Totally, and even now when I'm, you know as a doctor and I've got very busy days and there's sometimes patients you can't help and you know you see a lot of sadness at the hospital. Mm. Um, it's the one area that I just go home and go for a big hard run, and it just helps. It just allows your mind to be clear, and I guess the endorphins. If you think about it, when you're playing. Yeah. When you're injured, it's the worst time of an athlete's life because you can't actually you're sad as it is because you've just lost a you know a competition or a game. And then you're told to sit on your bum and do nothing. And it's like, great, so let's take away what you love and also take away all your endorphins and your positive hormones mm-hmm. and see how you cope with it. You know, that's that's a great uh, point you raised because uh, one, one of the things um, that I've tried to help uh, former athletes with and because I struggled myself was when you retire, you, you lo- there's a great sense of loss. And yeah. a lot of people identity changes. Yeah, and, it, and it, there, it, it, there is a uh, scientific process to it all with the endorphins because you and even even on say with rugby league you, you're getting yourself up every week and there's an adrenaline that you kind of get Absolutely. addicted to do you know what I mean I say I, I actually say I'm addicted to the sport and addicted to exercise so and it's even funny with with women who have had babies and obviously you know you, you've got this great lifestyle you're pregnant you're so looking forward to this baby and then you're sleep deprived and you're up all night and most of the time sitting around doing nothing. Mm. And you'd be the same as a dad when the baby first comes. It's, it's, and so we, you wonder why there's a lot of people feeling sad and not coping with the environment because it's hard. If you don't have that, those lovely endorphins you're used to or just the routine and activity, um, it, it's a big change. It's a big change for everyone. What was was there a point? I, I want to talk about your career, obviously, because it was, it was such an amazing career. But was there was there a point after it? Uh, I had a funny experience when I retired. I Paul Gallon um, texted me and said, "Oh, can you come sit with the team?" I'd been playing fourteen years, and and I said, "Oh, no, no, mate, I, you know, let the new team, you know, there's a new front row and stuff." He said, "No, no, come, come sit down," and and so I, I sort of begrudgingly did out of our friendship. And a, a young kid came to him with a, a Sharks jersey and and asked him to sign it, and then he gave me the jersey, and the, the kid, kid took it off me and said, "Who's he?" And no, I, really? I, yeah, and I just, I just retired. I just retired. <laughs> was, there, was, there, was there a point where you go, you know what? I'm not Yana I'm Pittman done, anymore. I'm old. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the the star. I'm not the star anymore. And like, did you did did, did you ever struggle with that or? Uh, 
not look, you know, not probably not because I had such an amazing identity to go to after sport, which was being a doctor. And the big difference in my career compared to yours, too, is I was a bit polarizing in the media. So I had people who loved me and people who really didn't like me. Um, and I think so in some ways, I, I actually really enjoyed the anonymity of being able to step back and just be Dr. Pittman and have no, no you know, the patient meets you and all they want to do is you know, know what the prognosis for them is and what can you do for them and it's nothing about me. And I really I really enjoyed that. Mm. Um, you know, I guess you, you do miss it occasionally. You miss being able to, you know, get a get into a bar easily or something. But, um, <laughs> are, we, are we going to bars with four kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. I don't have a social life anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know. What, what I miss, I don't know. I, I miss maybe, you know, someone coming up and saying, you know, congratulations, I love the race you did on the weekend. But, I still get it sometimes in the hospital, which is really sweet, whether someone just wants to have a chat about sport and things like that. Um, but the time I think you notice it most, but you're no longer Yana Pittman for me, was when you became Cornelius' mum. Oh, <laughs> so yes. it's the day you take your kids to school for the first time and all of a sudden you're the handbag. You're the, There's nothing yes. special. You're, you you're, become the mum. You're, yeah. Pres- you're Presley's dad. Oh, so you're Presley's dad. Well, dad, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's Look. your new life, love. <laughs> so let me take, take you back to 17 years of age. Uh, you make your Olympic debut, uh, happened to be in Sydney, what an amazing experience! At seventeen years of age, it's an incredible, it's an incredible achievement. I mean, I did, it shocked me at the time because I actually thought I was going to go there as a spectator. I remember Mum buying the tickets, and I applied to carry the baskets behind the athlete. No, so it never. Yeah, and I got in too. I remember getting the letter saying, "Congratulations, you're going to be one of the basket carriers at the Olympic Games." And I was so excited. And then all of a sudden, my training just went through the roof. I grew, you know, a couple of inches and was running really, really fast. Um, training with Melinda Gainsford back in the time. She's a bit of one of my heroes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then this, I smacked out this time I was never expecting would happen, and it was an Olympic qualifier. So, you know, I just went overnight. It happened overnight. Like I dropped a second and a half um, in a year, and I went from being a, a good athlete to being an Olympic, you know, um, team contender. I remember doing a, 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 a corporate event with Melinda Gainsford when I was playing, and all, all I remember is thinking, this girl, she's got bigger quads than me. It was just, yeah. it was exceptional. So that was, yeah, so, she's so, amazing, but also such a woman. So it's amazing yes. that she can have like, such a, like a strong female body, but yet still be so feminine and pretty. <laughs> so you missed the semi final by one spot, um, but also managed to compete in the four by four final and finished fifth there, which, which was a really good, good result. Was it, was that something that, you know, you were happy, satisfied with, or was there a churning within you that wasn't good enough? Or well, look, the, 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 you're so young. I think well, you'd you'd love to make the semi final in the in the in your actual pet event as well as the relay. Um, but to be honest, I was just so happy to be there. You know, like it was the Sydney Olympic Games. I was 17. I'd never, Crazy. you know, yeah, never dreamed of being there as an athlete. So it was just it was amazing to be in your home country to see all those Aussie flags in the stadium. Um, you know, the annoying was extraordinary. I got to feel it a little bit at the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne as well because it was an Australian crowd as well. But it's quite it's quite a, another thing having to, you know, compete in, a, in an Olympic stadium in your home country. You guys get it in games all the time because you have big yeah. crowds that come and support you. But in athletics, that's pretty rare. You know, we'd be lucky if we had two or three thousand people come to the stadium and watch us run during the domestic season. Um, so it's pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty special. So 2002, only a few years later, Commonwealth Games, Manchester, you win two gold medals and you're only 19. So you're still, you're still young. Still, still a baby very, in athletics. Still a yeah. baby. Still a baby. <laughs> yeah, you, in, in, in our sport, it is. Yeah, in athletics, it's still very young to be at top 
So it was quite a shock to the system again. So when do you sort of hit your prime as, as a sprinter? Let's say 28. Really? Yeah, so they say 26 to 30 is, is your best in sport because it takes some time for that muscle definition to to take over and to learn the technical aspects. And we definitely, look, Usain Bolt was younger. He he, came, he became a superstar when he was sort of 22, um, but he carried that right till he was 30. Sally Pearson was older. She was sort of 24, 25 and carried through to she was 30. So it's definitely a sport where we mature and get better muscle definition and, and density um, in our late 20s. So so take us back there. Is is it full time at that stage? Is is, it, is, is there yeah. some money in the? Is there some money in there for you? Is there were athletes looking uh, after, or was it still? Because I was talking to Margaret. Starting. Cor- <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Now no, you're right. No, you were talking to Margaret Court, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and she and it was phenomenal that she was playing in Wimbledon, having to fly herself over and accommodate herself, and getting, yeah. getting ten dollars a day, and and I and, and you know, in many ways. Uh, you know, I've known some former sort of athletes and they've never really, you know, back in the day, they weren't really looked after. So in comparison to, to the sports, the rugby leagues and the so forth. Yeah, it's very different. Uh, look, athletics is the same. So, you know, once you're an Olympic level as an Olympic champion, not not talking making the team, um, you certainly may be able to work at full time. So, And I, I was very lucky during my athletics here to at least be full time, but certainly not at that point. I was at Commonwealth Games, I wasn't yet. Um, I was still I was I was an AIS athlete, so I actually got a scholarship. So I was living in the in the AIS um, sort of residence, we used to call it, uh, residence. And um, but there wouldn't have been enough money to sustain it completely. So still sort of hands out from mum and dad. But you know, as certainly as you get further in your career, if, you, if you're top five in the world in your in, in athletics, um, you can usually it's a normal income. It's not like a superstar income. It's just a normal, respectable. Um, Income, but guess what? You get to do what you love all day, every day. So I certainly think it's a it's a pretty positive one. You said that one of the highlights of your career was the Commonwealth Games, where where Kathy Freeman passed you the baton. Was we you growing up? Was was she someone that uh, you looked up to? Did did she ever offer any words of encouragement or or, or how to oh. navigate? Um, Kathy, I have always loved Catherine. She's extraordinary, obviously. I think every young track and field athlete, actually anybody who is Australian loved her. Yeah. <laughs> um, one day she actually gave this amazing speech at an event I went to, um, and it was actually the letter she wrote herself a year out from the Olympics in Sydney. So it was her commitment to herself. So it's all the things she knew she needed to do to win the Olympic Games, and she gave me that letter. I still got it now. So um, wow. it happens to be worth, worth thousands. Mm. <laughs> um, but it, it was a beautiful touch. Have you tested Yeah, no, of course not. But I think she'd want it back if I did that. Oh, um, but no. it was just, a, it was a really lovely touch of her to sort of show, you know, this is, you know, that she, she'd finished running at that stage. She'd just retired when she read this letter at the event. Wow. Um, and I was, it was at the beginning of my international career around that same time, around the Commonwealth Games time. Um, yeah, and she gave it to me and I treasured it forever. So, yeah, she's definitely wonderful. Did you have any good mentors um, in that space uh, growing up? Mel Gainsford. Mel, Definitely was. Mel Gangster, right. yeah, because she was she was there every day in day out when I was a junior athlete. And what did you, um, you, you learn would, from her? What did you learn? Resilience. She's just such a strong, strong woman through injuries and ups and downs. Because both yeah. her and I did have injuries, and she just handled them so beautifully. Uh, everything with a smile. Like that lady, no matter what was going on in her life, um, was always happy and smiling and friendly. Um, work ethic. She works. Her literally works at tip top. She was such a hard worker and and very motivating in that respect. Um, 
and just kindness. Like she was just, I was very young. Um, like I speak fast now. I spoke even faster when I was that age and I had a lot of, a lot of energy. Um, so I wasn't always easy to be around her. had a few coffees. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is just me. I I don't know why I've always been a rapid, I've always been a rapid speaker. It's good. It's good. So, uh, and it doesn't sound fast to me, so I can speak much faster. I think like this thing really want to, but then no one understands what I'm talking about. So I have to slow down. Uh, that's all good. Well, well, one year later, 2003, you become the youngest 400 meter hurdles champ, male or female at the time, with a time of 53.22 seconds. Uh, when you crossed that line, what was what were you feeling? Well, it's funny because that was my first um, senior world championships that I was running in. Um, and the girl who came third had actually only broken the world record a couple of months beforehand. So we were we genuinely were hoping for a silver or a bronze. Like I would have been stoked with a silver or a bronze. So it was, again, it was another, oh my gosh, moment where he shot mm. me across the finish line. And you're like pinching yourself that it's real. Um, so it was amazing. I was uh, It was a, a fabulous stadium. It's still one of my favorite in Paris, in um, the Stade de France, in Paris. Um, and yeah, it was just, uh, it was a big stadium and it held a lot of people and it was just, but that's the first time I really got to see what the media was like because I finished across the finish line and there would have been like three or 400 media waiting there to talk to you and there's cameras going off and there's flashes in your face. And, um, it was the first, like it happened at the Commonwealth Games a little bit, but at this time it was, it was another level. And did anyone help you with, guide you with like media training or did they just leave you to your own devices just to handle it or? Unfortunately, I think that's one of the mistakes I had in my career. I didn't have a lot of – I did have managers, obviously, throughout the time over the years. Mm. Um, it was around then that I actually got my first manager who, who was working with me, but I didn't have any media training, and it's the mistake that I made, which is why I think sometimes there's been some negative press because I just – I'm so honest. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I'm yeah. definitely emotional, and I, and I share anything um, that I think could help someone else I'm happy to talk about. Um, so, you know, mental health, ups and downs, family life, all of that sort of stuff I'm very open about. And um, possibly that's not the right thing. Um, it feels right to me, but it's certainly not always received well. So I think mm. back in the day it would have been fabulous to have someone say, okay, it's time to, to stop talking, Yana, and um, and don't do a media interview today. Now you've got to get your head down, bum up and just mm. train. Um, the story's been done. It doesn't need to be redone kind of thing. It's hard and that's because, something you need to learn. Yeah, because you're, you're still a young athlete and, and – it, it's it's a difficult um, road to navigate because even even with us, like back in the early days of, of rugby league, like the reporters yeah. were very different. You could tell them stuff, and, yeah, and, they, and kept they, they keep it to themselves. And they yeah. and they came in the tours, and they you know what's on the tour stays on the tour. But it all changed really around that that sort of yeah, period. They, yeah, yeah, they really did. When you were at your prime, they really changed. They became narky. They were looking for stories. They were looking for edges that weren't there. And yeah, it, it would have been difficult. would have been difficult in your shoes. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and because I was always available. So if I hadn't made myself available, it would have probably been, there would have been less media stories. Mm. Um, but I was there, always there and I was always prepared to, to talk. And, and again, it comes back to that whole, I always wanted to be liked as a kid. So I thought that having that um, that openness with the media would mean I'd be liked. Um, and I think in Australia, it's actually the opposite. Sometimes you need to be more humble and speak less, and and you, you're more favoured for that. So it's just a it's just it was just a learning curve. And I was very young, and and, and would have yeah, I would have loved to have had more advice during that time. You mentioned Melinda um, Gainsford how she handled the highs, the lows, her injuries. But you yourself, 2004 Olympic Games, you had a pretty major roadblock. You suffered a tear Awful. in your right knee. <laughs> And yeah, you, still, you still still managed to compete and finish fifth in the final. That that's a that's a phenomenal effort, but it must have been at the same time, you know, disappointing. 
I mean, look, looking back on it now, now that I'm a doctor, I can I can see actually how remarkable it was um, and how amazing my surgeon was to actually uh, to fix the meniscus, which is a little yeah. um, piece of tissue in your knee, and it was completely torn to bits, and he and he repaired it. So extraordinary to make the race at all, let alone yeah. make the final. So I can see now how great it is, but back at the time, yeah, of course you're disappointed because I was reigning world champion going in. I hadn't been beaten all year. So in my heart, that was my opportunity to hopefully win the Olympic gold medal. So, um, you know, it's four years of work. It's, it's different for you guys. You guys oh, got, you know, state of origin and all your different yeah, sports yeah, but, each all the time, but we don't. One Olympics every four oh, years. The pressure, it's, well, I, I, I've honestly, the, the respect I have for, for people like yourself because it, it, you're building, you're building, you're building up up until this this one sort of event where, we, you know, if we stuff up, we it's they always, the coach says to us at the end of the game, don't worry, guys. It's on again next week. It's on again yeah, next week. Do you know what I mean? So you got a you got a chance to redeem yourself. You got a chance yeah. to to make things right. But the the intensity and the build up for it to to um you know to all culminate to in one, one well. event. Yeah. It's it's a lot of pressure. How did you? I mean, we're lucky. We sorry. Go. No, so we're lucky. Like we do have like Commonwealth Games and World Champs, and, and all the international races are kind of like your weekly games. Um, yes. It's almost like it's the the grand final. You get the grand final once every four years. So, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I was I always loved pressure, so it was something I thrived on, and I really enjoyed the. I needed it to train, so you know, I'm not great at having an exercise program unless there's a goal attached to it. Mm. So it was, yeah, it was for me. It was it was it was something I enjoyed. Well, you, you mentioned the Commonwealth Games two years later, in 06, uh in Melbourne. You retained both your gold medals, which is amazing considering the setback you had. Then in Osaka, 2007. Just months after giving birth, you claimed your second world title in the 400 metres with a time of 53. You, you, you've just given birth. Yeah, I know. Honest, I honest stupid, hey? I, didn't, I didn't give birth and I didn't train for six months after my – I was devastatedly tired. How did you do that? Yes, it is tiring, that's, that's isn't it? That's a huge, huge, huge effort. Um because there was no pressure. So we just sort of thought, we'll get back into training and see how we go. And I think all the pressure was off. So I was just really enjoying my running and enjoying competing overseas. And, um, and yeah, it was a minor miracle that we pulled that one off. But, um, you know, I think I trained my whole pregnancy as well. I really needed it for the endorphins. I, I don't like not training. I mean, I like to have, as I said, a goal and something to work towards. Um, but even if when I don't, I, I miss the training and I do feel very flat if I don't have that exercise. So it was a healthy thing to sort of get back into training fairly quickly after he was born. Um, I would do, I did do it differently with the next few pregnancies because I think I did actually go back too quickly, um, and that wasn't actually healthy either. But you don't know. I was like twenty three. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just mm. missed the sport and wanted to be competing again. So how, if you love it, you do it. How far can you train uh, into your pregnancy? What, what What do you advise now? Well, I think it's very individual for the, for the woman. First, they obviously have to speak to their doctor because there are certain conditions in pregnancy that would mean you shouldn't exercise. Um, but most women can certainly keep up what they would do, what we say. And as you know, obviously gynecology and obstetrics is what I want to do when I when I grow up and finish mm-hmm. my med- medical training. Mm-hmm. I'm already a doctor, but I need a lot of years of um, specialty training to go. Um, and we just say you, you, most of the time you can do the things you did before pregnancy, but listen to your body. In other words, if something doesn't feel right that day, you've got to really listen and not do it. Because ultimately, it's only nine months. Um, your body will get back to where it was afterwards if you're clever and safe. And, and it, the thing that comes first is obviously the little person growing inside you. The next couple of years after Osaka, they, they were pretty tough for you, recurring injuries, your toe, your foot. Constant. Yeah, you missed <laughs> the, the 2008 and 12. Yeah. And we just, I'll yeah. just rattle that off. But, like, there's a lot of time in between that, which is can be yeah. a, a really frustrating 
sort of time. Oh, awful. Yeah. How did, how did you keep positive during those times? I didn't, to be honest. I yeah. felt, felt a bit constantly, and I think sometimes some of the injuries actually happened because I didn't handle the off-track life well enough. Like, I was, I really struggled with all those injuries and constantly, you know, training really, really hard and then snap something goes again and then you're in the boot for six weeks and then you're training in the pool for six months and it was horrible. It was it was very a very low period and that's when I started looking to change my life and say, well, what am I going to do differently because I don't like who I am and I don't like how cranky I am with everybody because it's not going the way I want it to. Um, so I started looking at a different career pathway. So I picked up a few different sports to try and swap into something else. Um, and then I started to, to look at getting into medical school. So I went back to uni to, to start preparing to get into medicine. Well, well so. I, th- I, th- I thought your, your favourite film might have been uh, Cool Runnings because... Cool Runnings. <laughs> because <laughs> I should have you... said that, you're right. Because... Or Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> no, because obviously you, you, chose a very... <laughs> you, you chose a very unique sport in, in bobsledding. I did. Why, why, yeah. why bobsledding? I, I gave a few things a crack. So I had a, a crack at track cycling. I loved that. I gave a boxing a go. I absolutely love that because I trained with Johnny Lewis back in the day oh, for, for a quite a few times. Oh, awesome. He's one of my favourite humans. Yes, yeah, I love he him. Is too. Yeah, I try, I yeah. Try, I try, I try. I'll never forget just a quick story in Johnny. I, the first day my, my uh, mentor took me down there, Harry. To train with Johnny Lewis and at Sydney Uni at the pool there at the pool there yes yeah, and, and yeah. He, no 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 sorry it was actually <laughs> no? at the um we did do a session there with the sharks with him where he made yep. us do push ups on the concrete but um I remember Maddie Johns had a broken <laughs> Maddie Maddie Johns had a broken hand and wouldn't tell Johnny that he he oh, just yeah. did him with everyone because he said it's Johnny Lewis and I'm just going to do yeah, it and he exactly. did that but it was at Newtown Gym actually at the Newtown oh, Gym okay. which, at the YMCA one YMCA or? that's right that's yeah, right that's and he said to me right oh, can you do a let's get up and do twenty um press uh, pull ups I couldn't do yeah. one and I still remember them <laughs> I still remember oh, no. them oh, my God. by the end of him I was oh. doing four sets of twenty by the end of the yeah. the time with him he he'd close the windows no water no you couldn't yeah, breathe. He was amazing. Yeah. He was amazing. Sorry. I, I, it was all about work ethic. It was about breaking your mind with him. I remember throwing a med ball with Costa, actually, at the time, Costa Zoo, and he was just throwing the ball, and Johnny was just like, keep going, keep going. And we were throwing this, I don't know how, I'm assuming six kilo med ball, for about an hour. And my arms were like, I was in tears. I could barely pass the ball back wow. to him. And he was standing there and keep going. It was, it was brilliant. It was a very, very loved chapter of my life training with him. <laughs> oh, so good. Well, you, you ended up competing at the 2014 Winter Olympic Games and you finished 14th. Um, obviously, it was still a great achievement. And what was the lead-up like? What was the, the experience? Fabulous. Was it? Yeah. Look, yeah, because it was, was a team event to start off with. So there was always two of us in the sled, but there was four of us in the team. So we'd rotate who was pushing at the back. Um, and it was just fun. Like was, The pressure was up because it was obviously we weren't, we weren't going to win the Olympics. We, we were hoping to get sort of top six or something, but in, the, in truth, we knew it wasn't about medals. It was about just making the Olympics and doing the best that we could. Mm. So for the first time, I got to actually go and enjoy an Olympic Games rather than it being pressure on, you've got to win, you know, this is it's a sort of, you know, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to win the race or not. This was more about going and having a new relationship with the Olympics. It's about fun and enjoyment um, and and it was a great training. It was basically one of those situations where you could eat what you wanted, probably more like what you trained, to be honest. So, yeah. like, fast, speed, get bulky, big, muscly, and um, I couldn't put enough food away. And that, for me, was something I loved because as a track athlete, I was always starving myself as to be, like, a stick athlete to run because oh, I'm really? such a – Oh, because I'm 80 kilos naturally. So I'm a six foot tall woman. Yeah. Like you can't, and in track and field being 80 kilos is just too large. So I was always trying to starve myself down to 68, 70 kilos and it was just tiny. Whereas in Bob said, it was all about getting up to 85, 90 kilos. 
So I could lift, you know, 110 kilos for a power plane in the gym, and that's a good thing. Wow. Um, and squat, squat 200 kilos, like it was brilliant. It was uh, that was that my body was far more made for, for that kind of power sport than it ever was for the least sort of style that you need for, for athletics. Uh, I'm just dis- hence I got no injuries. <laughs> I'm just disappointed you were you were born in another era because I honestly think you would have been an excellent league player. That's what I would like to play if yes. I had my if I could. I would have my right arm. Oh, <laughs> you would have, yeah, you would because you got the you got that you got that mongrel, and also you yeah. you have got that size and speed, and yeah. you hit a hole. I was just like, I just, I reckon you would have absolutely killed it. Um, well, I would have. I, I tried to apply for rugby sevens back in two thousand and fourteen. I sent them an email and said, oh. "Can I join?" And they never wrote back. Yeah, and I was me. so upset. Yeah, oh. they never wrote back because I thought oh, at least I'll give it a crack. I just want to play footy. I've always, I was a para supporter growing up, but I just wanted to. I wanted to go and actually. You know, I know it was union, not um, league, but I just I wanted to give like you know forty a go. And AFL wasn't even really around for women back then, not like That's it right. is now. So, right. um, yeah, and they just yeah they never replied, and I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wanted. It's off, it's off to uh, med school. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, exactly. That, that is quite a, it's quite a change of pace from you know the world of competitive athletics and. Uh, being in yeah. the med- medical industry and obviously you're helping a lot of people and I love it. It's the best. It's the best thing I've ever done. Like I, I just feel like every day is different and exciting and it's all about everybody else and it doesn't matter what you look like or what you say as long as you do your job. It's it's a it's a very rewarding career. You're also an ambassador for the Australian Cervical Cancer Foundation, which is sure a matter very close to your heart. Yeah, it is. I've had a few, unfortunately, positive um, pap tests, which is obviously what we encourage our women to have and our wives and mothers and friends. So obviously we always, the big message of mine is to make sure you're up to date with your smears as women. And for you boys, it's your prostate exam. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, but unfortunately I had a bit of a scare of it back in 2013. And, um, you know, it was, was, I've also unfortunately lost a few colleagues and friends to, to cancer. So um, it's a preventable cause. And so therefore I thought, you know, I'm a little bit well-known in Australia. I've had a, a little run with it myself and now I'm a doctor. So I wanted to try and throw my voice behind something important. And, and that's why we I joined um, Teens of the Australian Cervical Cancer Foundation. And we just try and raise awareness in Australia and make sure our women are screened. No, that's that's absolutely that's a great cause. And, you know, sometimes, um, just to change pace a little, uh, sometimes we talk on the show with athletes who have been on a journey of, of faith as well, and I think I think we met. The first time we met was a long, long time ago. With a, we were both in a book, which was. I, I didn't think you about, remember that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do remember. Yeah, well, I was single, and I remember thinking, "Oh, she's a good sort." <laughs> but I think you were, uh, were you in Canberra or something like that, and I, yeah. yeah, and I was thinking, oh, I was a bit tight on the Too old far. cash. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be driving from the bench. <laughs> That's oh, that's about. a classic. I do remember we were in that book. And, and tell, yeah. tell, tell us a bit about that journey where, where it started for you. Well, my grandfather was a minister in the church, so I've grown up in the church my whole life, oh, you know, right. going in, yeah, with his sermons and um, and, my, and both my parents are, uh, have strong faith and my dad particularly. So um, despite the fact that it was actually my mum's my mum's father who was the minister, so he actually came over to Australia as part of the Dutch congregation when, they, when all the immigrants were coming here because they didn't have enough pastors here in Australia. So... I always thought that would be my life too. And, um, you know, we obviously were regular church growers and I've had on and off relationships with God in that uh, there's certainly been times where I've it's been challenging to, to have faith, um, where it's not gone the way I thought it was and, you know, I wanted to rule the <laughs> rule the way it went yeah. when really you just have to give over and accept that it's actually um, his way, not my way, and his faith not, uh, not, you know, not the way I want it to be. It's, you, you either, 
commit and believe in what you do or um, or you don't. So there's definitely been times where I've walked away and come back and walked away and come back. Um, but I'm feeling very, very solid in my faith now as I've gotten older. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I think we're all, if we're honest, we're all, there's always a tussle with God's will versus our will, and exactly the that's plan- the way to say it. Always, there's always, <laughs> even now, there's a, there's a t- I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that I that I, I am a bit more moldable now, and it, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that, but I'd have to ask God and give get His opinion. <laughs> but, it, but it's great. Is this something that you, you'd like to you know raise your your family in, and obviously they'll, they'll make their own choice, but um, but provide. Well, my, it's funny because. My parents were strong on that too. They actually didn't baptise us. They dedicated us for us to allow to make that decision when we were older ourselves. So I have baptised my children, but um, it's interesting that my parents never forced it on us as children. Yeah. Um, they just allowed us to, you know, grow in that. Um, all my kids go to an Anglican school now, which I and I really love that they have Christian studies at school um, most days. Just and my, it was actually it was so beautiful. My daughter was in the bath two days ago. She goes, "Mum, I have to tell you something. Did you know I was made by God?" I'm like, "Yes, buddy." <laughs> and I have to do what God tells me. I'm like, "Okay, buddy." <laughs> well, you, yeah, you, you so like to think so, you were a co-partner. You, you had yeah. some sort of role in it. <laughs> yeah, she's only three, so she's a little girl. But it was just it was just cute because she's at she's at preschool and they're already talking about it, which is really lovely. Oh, it is it is lovely, and you know, yeah. uh, I, I got to say we. I'm, we're about to dedicate uh, my son actually as well, okay. which yeah. is a real special special moment. Yeah. Just to because yeah, I, cool. I do believe that there that there has to come a time in their own sort of journey that they actually make a decision to That's invite right. God into the, to their life and and to because sometimes it can be tricky, like uh, being brought up in a religious home. Sort of you can assume that it's just you know you're inheriting in a sense your your father, your parents. Faith, but really, it does have to be something you dis- like you that. discover for yourself. For for you to really to really believe in it and to be feeling it's really part of who you are, definitely. So, because obviously, you see a lot of people that walk away from their faith as they get older, and um, for whatever reason, you know, you, we hope they come back. But I, I hope my children grow up in that. Certainly, my husband is, is positive is is uh, positive in that area as well. It would have been really hard if I had met someone who was not um, didn't have a faith of their own. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's, it, 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 there is. I mean, it's not impossible for sure, but it's um, you know just the synergy of the relationship, the dynamics uh, change when right. you know someone, your partner's believing. I remember the first time I met my wife Beck, and and we we talked a lot about faith, and and um, in, you know, in, bet- in between that, obviously we talked about other stuff as well. But it was it's just so nice <laughs> to be cool. able to, yeah, yeah, it's just so nice to be able to talk on. Uh, are there any books that you that you read at, or, or any particular Bible sort of verse that you hold on to that that speaks to you every now and then, or what's your sort oh, of routine? Not necessarily. Um, you know, we're not, we probably don't go to church as often as we should. To be honest, we used to go I used to go every week and Bible study, but um, I haven't as much when the kids have been around in the last oh, year no, or so. I, and I, I understand that. I think I would have judged you. I'll be honest with you. Before I had this kid, I would have, actually, <laughs> I probably in my heart would have judged you, not to your face. But I actually really yeah. do understand. I really do understand that now. Well, I only share it because I'm being honest. It doesn't change that I have a strong faith, That's and I right. still, you know, I pray regularly, and I have a, an, an ongoing dialect with with the Lord all the day, all day, every day, but it's more that I haven't been as committed as I should have been. So I just think it's, you know, it's better that people are honest with themselves and, you know, it'll probably be good to kick up the teeth for me oh, <laughs> now absolutely. that I'm admitted on the radio. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I really, if you, when, you, when, I, when I read the Bible, actually, I find the most God warms to the most honest 
people. I'll be honest with you. He, he can, really? He can, oh, yeah. The most, the ones who are honest. Like who, for example? Well, like like King King David's one of my heroes, and and you, the Bible says that he's a man after God's own heart. And for those who are listening who don't know, have a um, a knowledge of of who he was, he was one of the greatest kings in the Bible, and actually from his lineage um, came Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, uh, he sent. He had an affair with his one of his best friend's wives, and when she got pregnant, sent him to the front lines to be killed. Um, and and so we think we think God is offended at our sin, and He doesn't like our sin, and there are consequences of our selfishness. There's no doubt about that. But what what He loved about David was his honesty that he had completely messed up, and he said. Um, I want to come back to you and make things yeah. right. He just loves honesty because it's it's the it was mm-hmm. the religious hypocrites who who put on the guys that everything's okay that they wouldn't admit their their pride. They were the ones yeah. that he had the the biggest problems with, not the guys who actually did the who messed up. Because we, yeah. yeah, they were just ones who said, "I've yeah. messed up. Can yeah. I start? Can I start again?" And and I'm glad that we you know I know a God that actually is into. Continue, yeah. Continually starting again in my cases. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too, hon. <laughs> oh, me too. Well, oh, no, yeah. It's so good chatting to you. It's been a while and I really, really appreciate it. And I know you've got a, a young one that you need to feed, so I'm going to let you go. But honestly, you, I hope you, you take time out, not that you have time uh, with, with a busy, busy <laughs> life, but to actually uh, honestly reflect on what you achieved. It's, it was so rare. Uh, you will go down as one of the uh, uh, greatest um, athletes isn't it there's no doubt about that but you know now what you're doing now you're leaving a legacy in 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 the medical world and beyond so it's been an absolute joy to to talk to you and i appreciate it so much oh no it's been a pleasure i really enjoyed it too and uh, just for the record if i would have asked you out would you have said yes at that <laughs> you don't have to answer that <laughs> let's not answer that <laughs> probably <laughs> hey thanks everyone for listening no, uh, if uh, you missed uh, tonight's chat of course next Sunday morning 5.30 to 7pm 7am uh, 7 you can also listen and also if you can go to the 1170 catch up app and go to the Spirit of Sport uh, you'll see all our interviews there with Steve Waugh Justin Langer Margaret Court there's so many great ones to listen to which this one is as well uh, but also we're on 2CH Digital as well so many opportunities to listen I hope you've enjoyed this fascinating woman's life. I'm Jason Stevens. You've been listening to The Spirit of Sport. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only. Have a great week.